everybody, and welcome to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. My name is Pete Wright, and I am joined at long last by the fantastic Gail Gregory. Gail, seriously, you promised that you would come back on the show. I didn't think it would take you six months to make good on it. Well, I did I, I did promise, um, but we, you know what? We didn't put any milestone or date on it, Pete. So that was our uh, that was our uh, problem. So, But here I am, delighted to be back. Well, I'm very excited. Before we get started, uh, make sure you're all up to speed on the show. If you want to make sure you don't miss a single episode, head over to tiebelink.com. That's T-E-I-B-E-L-Inc.com and join the mailing list. Each time a new show is posted, you'll get a quick note in your inbox to let you know you can subscribe to the show for free in itunes or your favorite podcast app and don't forget to connect with us on twitter that's at howard teibel or teibel inc on linkedin and you can write me directly even at pete Wright. we'd love to hear from you okay now that the old business uh is is all out of the way uh, today we are talking about organizational agility we have been talking about this concept on and off for the last few months in the context of governance, if you're a regular listener of the show. Today, we're going to get a little bit more specific. Tybal Inc. has been working with UMass Lowell on a project that further cements the institution's vigilance toward nimbleness in the education market, and we have two esteemed guests with us today to talk about it. Joanne Yastrzemski is Vice Chancellor for Finance and Operations at UMass Lowell and serves as the Program and Services Chair for ICUBO, which we're going to be talking about a little bit later. Joanne, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much, Pete. And Lauren Turner is Associate Vice Chancellor for Human Resources and Equal Opportunity and Outreach. Lauren, uh, welcome to Navigating Change. Great. Thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Before we, we dive into to, uh, some of the specific, let's, let's talk a little bit about the environment for change. And I think there are two components to this question. First, we have this broad education market in which institutions around the country are struggling, I think it's fair to say, some practically, some philosophically. All of us are trying to, to see the future. What kind of institution do we want to be in the next 10, 20, 50 years? How do we create that and make it sustainable? But then second, we have this internal culture, this environment in our institution that, that, that we're trying to at once protect and move forward and encourage to adapt. I wonder if you could start by talking a little bit about your experience in dealing with this complex environment. What is it that made you recognize that it was time to take on a more organized change initiative? I started uh, with uh, UMass Lowell uh, seven years ago, and at that time uh, we were just uh, forming a new um, leadership team under our uh, Chancellor, uh, Chancellor Marty Meehan, which I'm going to put a plug in for him in a little bit because he's actually going to be presenting at uh, the Kubo Annual Workshop, but we'll get back to that later. Uh, Marty uh, came to UMass Lowell about eight years ago. He is an alum of UMass Lowell and uh, a congressman for some 15 years representing uh, this part of Massachusetts. And he came to the institution with uh, great energy and an entrepreneurial spirit and a great love for his uh, al uh, alma mater. Uh, coming here, though, he found an institution that was uh, really quite stagnant. Uh, it hadn't... Uh, grown its budget, it had uh, had losses, uh, it had um, some uh, $5 million in deficit, as a matter of fact, hadn't had a new building in 35 years, uh, enrollment was uh, flat, and uh, he, uh, he came with uh, the vision of really turning this institution around and um, uh, making, uh, making it the kind of institution that this part of Massachusetts and the region and nationally deserved. So 
With that, Marty uh, set out uh, to hire a new leadership team, and um, uh, that in included really uh, having all the current leadership team, all of the current leadership team, uh, leave, whether it was through retirement or some other means. So a completely new leadership team. I think that's quite unique. Uh, so with that, I came along um, a year later, as well as all of my colleagues. Uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we're all here together um, seven years later. So that that is also unique, I think, in higher ed for, for a group to be together that long. But with the chancellor and that high spirit uh, and that entrepreneurial approach, why um, that new and that new leadership team, why we really set out to uh, make the changes that we thought that we needed to do in the in the difficult economic climate of 2007, 2008, 2009. We all remember what that was. Uh, frankly, we took advantage of a, a, a good crisis uh, upon uh, coming together as a team. Uh, we did a strategic planning. You'll hear uh, more about that later. Uh, master planning. Uh, we did some tough things that um, came along with that difficult economic climate, including layoffs uh, and hopefully some uh, incentive retirements as well. Um, but the fact of the matter is, with a climate like that and some things that you could do when you've got an excuse like a crisis and some things that come along with the climate like that, such as you know, not a lot of uh, construction companies having work, so you can build buildings less expensively. The interest rates are low. You can afford to hire some uh, candidates that you might not have been able to afford to hire uh, in good times because they're they're more interested in you know own jobs at maybe even lower salaries. Um, and uh, frankly, I think I'd have to say that you know you need to partner uh, in our case with uh, with our constituency called the state, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and take advantage of, of that partnership and that governor at the time, which we also did too. So the fact of the matter, in a nutshell, uh, come in clean slate, new leadership team that w w could work together uh, well stay together a long time, take advantage of a, a good crisis, and just really uh, show momentum and use the best uh, leadership techniques available to you know turn an institution around. That's a non-trivial change. I'm, I'm sitting over here sort of uh, drop-jawed. Uh, to come in and have a wholesale change in an entirely new leadership team over the course of such a short period uh, it, it seems extreme, um, you know, for positive or not, how does the rest of the institution and the rest of your community respond at, at that period? Uh, you know, you're, you're telling a story here. What is the, what is the narrative uh, and, and how do you protect the institution from, uh, from appearing like it's uh, in, you know, greater crisis than it is? We involve the whole community, some 200 plus faculty uh, and staff. And uh, so we built upon transparency approach to strategic planning, bottom up, not top down, and involving a great deal, a number of the community with good communication as well as a great transparency. And then, uh, uh, kept updating that strategic plan every year with uh, accountability measures and what we affectionately call our report card, where we measure our uh, goals towards our progress. But with that, with that transparency and that involvement of the community, that strategic planning updated routinely, 
why I think that's what built the climate that makes UMass Lowell what, what it is today. And I, I'm sure Lauren can describe a couple of things about what that how to how to define that climate? Yeah, I yeah. can. I can. And in fact, for me, um, I was, uh, I guess I would say, in the second wave of new leadership, once the executive team became established and Joanne began to, began to build her team, that is the time when I was enticed to come to UMass Lowell. And I will say that I was enticed to come to UMass <laughs> Lowell. And I think what happened, what I saw, which was really helpful for me because there had been a period of change, what I saw when I arrived, quite honestly, even through the interview process was that the community was not anxious. That's really surprising, right? The community was not anxious because if they were, I probably wouldn't be here. I mean, it's, the community was not anxious. The community was excited. And so what I saw on the ground and heard, and it was really palpable, was people really engaged and excited. So here is this larger climate of higher education across the board, private and public, across the country, going through all of this, these challenging times. And what happened here at UMass Lowell, which people can talk about now looking back, they can see it, is we said this needs to be our moment where we seize you know, this um, opportunity to make UMass Lowell, put UMass Lowell on the map. And so what happened is all of the people who had been at UMass Lowell for a very long time through all of the earlier formations of the university in its previous um, existence stepped right up and said, I want to be a part of that. And if, if that hadn't happened, we would have had a very different outcome. We'd be at a very different place right now. And I think the the chancellor is a champion. Um, and he had a leadership team that were champions. The notion of transparency minimized senses of the sense of vulnerability and people's voices were being heard. And so the uh, result of that is that people are working amazingly hard, all pulling in the same direction. Which really, I've I've been in higher ed for thirty some odd years, as has Joanne, and this is it is a very unique, unordinary, special place, and and I think it's that community and that collaboration and that spirit um, that is giving us that push, you know, and the momentum to be so successful. Now, just just so I get my my sense of of time scale right, this the the initial change came seven years ago. The team started to you know the the team has reformed, and over the last seven years, um, you have been working consistently on on this you know a restructuring effort to prepare yourselves for the next wave, or or it was is there a, a more recent project that we need to uh, to talk about more specifically? Uh, just to be a little bit more specific, the chancellor came, Marty Meehan, uh, eight years ago. His first year uh, was uh, quite thin on the leadership team as uh, the rest of us were hired. Uh, there's uh, six direct reports. And that group, after being hired over uh, over that year or two, why then we had a clean slate, to tell you the truth, to hire our next level down, most of us, at least sp speaking specifically about myself and the vice chancellor of finance and operations, I had really an opportunity, which is so unique, to hire my uh, complete, uh, a completely new um, staff of direct reports, including Lauren, as she said. When we did that, uh, one at a time, sometimes two at a time, um, when I'm not going to say it was an easy year for me, it wasn't an easy mm -hmm. couple 
years. There was a, a, a lot of challenges, but uh, but have, but uh, the opportunity to do that, we hired in our own likeness, and we hired as a team. So uh, let's just say the first person was a finance uh, person, uh, Steve O'Riordan, and he would be on the team to hire the uh, HR and the facilities. Uh, directors or associate vice chancellors and so forth and so on. So with that inclusiveness of uh, of the search process and uh, the next level down of leadership teams, and this didn't just happen in finance and operations, while we hired in our own likeness with people with our kind of energy and made sure that everyone was a match within our division and between divisions. The like-mindedness that Joanne is talking about is really important because it's it's we have a, actually a quite diverse team, both in finance and operations and elsewhere at the university, but the like-mindedness and the energy the sense of collaboration, that spirit of hard work, that pulling in the same direction is what I think you're referring to, Joanne, when you say that. And it is it is exciting. And Pete, just from kind of the out, quote unquote outsider's perspective, it's not, these two ladies aren't making this up. There is something really special about UMass Lowell. Um, I remember when Howard and I met Joanne, uh, you know, a number of years back at, it was either Nakubo or Ikubo. Um, she just kind of exuded this energy about uh, Luma, uh, UMass Lowell and, um, you know, it's Lowell's about an hour from uh, Tybel's home base, but I'd never been here before. And um, so we were just delighted to be able to work, uh, uh, ultimately work with these folks and see what is, what's going on up at UMass Lowell. And, you know, like I was just taking some notes as, as Lauren and Joanne were talking, things like, um, you know, communication, transparency, accountability, uh, widespread involvement. Um, those are the, the types of things that we say. Um, and it it's just really, as Lauren said, it's very unique here where that is really part and parcel of the culture. Um, it strikes me every time I pull in the parking lot, every time I pull in the parking lot here, it starts from the gentleman that, that um, lets me in the parking lot and every other person sure. that I meet here. Yeah, um, so uh, I just, I, I did want to say from an outsider's perspective, it is absolutely true, everything that they're telling you. Well, Gail, I wonder if you could uh, you could spin off of that. I think that's a, a wonderful observation. Could you share a little bit uh, more specifically about the, the sort of kind of scope of work that you've been involved in? What is this, what does this project look like from your perspective? Well, um, it's, it's, Part of, I think, uh, I would maybe say Joanne's master plan in terms of um, looking at the different pieces of her organization. And so Howard and I became involved in uh, looking at the finance area and um, the administrative services area. Um, that was the primary focus. And then there were some um, smaller uh, departments involved as well. And. I think, and Joanne can confirm this for me, but I think what, uh, as part of her continual looking at her organization and making sure that the right people are, are doing the right things, that, that they're focused on the right strategic priorities, um, you know, she brought Howard and I in to kind of take a look at the structure in those organizations that I mentioned and the work that people were doing. Of course, you need to have the, the right skills and the right people at the right place at the right time. And uh, that's what we, we all know that we need to do to be a successful organization. But it's really how do you do that? It's really the process to, to get that done. And we, we can talk about that process a little bit today and uh, so forth. But I just wanted to say that when I was thinking about 
talking to you today, Pete, in, in this uh, conversation, that it really is all about the best traits of leadership that gets that done, because it's hard. It's really hard to do. Some people don't keep their jobs out of it. Some people get different jobs. Uh, some people uh, just really don't work out after you think they're going to, so everyone gets disappointed. But I just, I just wanted to say that it does take great courage, one of my favorite leadership traits. You can't get this work done, you know, unless there is the leadership team in place that is willing to do some of the messy work, you know, and provide the mm -hmm. leadership and the sponsorship, I guess I would call it, for the work that when you're dealing with people, it's and it's change it's challenging and so that is definitely a prerequisite so let's talk a little bit more about the strategic plan and let's talk about this the master plan uh, what what does that uh, encompass and I'm, I'm particularly interested in um, you know how the institution is is responding ongoing how are you tracking and communicating success you know you mentioned the report card I'm, I'm very interested in hearing more about that so um, how would you uh, how would you characterize this your efforts toward the strategic planning process so we have have uh, five pillars of our strategic plan. I don't know that I need to go through each one of those. I'll just say what they are. Transformational education, uh, global engagement and inclusive culture. Lauren co-chairs that committee. Innovative research and entrepreneurship. Uh, leverage our legacy and our place and entrepreneurial uh, stewardship. So within these five pillars of excellence, why we have various committees, which again involve all levels of the organization. I'm going to say at least 200 uh, people, mm -hmm. yeah, faculty and, and staff and leaders. And frankly, uh, for the most part, the executive team does not co-chair these committees. For the most part, uh, directors, associate vice chancellors, deans, and maybe even a few faculty do. Um, uniquely, we have our Senate uh, chair, chair of our faculty senate, co-chairing the financial budgeting committee. So that one's very unique. At any rate, with those committees and that number of people involved, why we update the strategic plan, I'm going to say pro approximately every five years or so, we're going through an update right now, uh, making sure we're on track for the next five years. And then we have uh, what we call a report card that's got some 25 to 30 uh, quantitative measures that we track backwards and forwards out to 2020 right now with goals and monitor our success towards those goals every single year. We've just put out our report card uh, in the last uh, week, as a matter of fact, for 2014, 2015. Great. It would be actually maybe useful to share. We could provide a link to the report card because I think we've, we've actually had yes, several administrators talk about that in various of the different venues across academic affairs and presidential leaders and others. And really the response that we've gotten is just surprise at the level of transparency, surprise at the level of willingness to put yourself out there, mm -hmm. you know, that this is our goal and it's out there, it's in writing, yeah. it's on our website, um, and that we periodically measure and, and update. So we, we, we could do that. I Absolutely. Yeah. We'd love to put that on the, on the, uh, on the website and the show notes. Absolutely. I think there's a, there is an, 
I, I keep thinking about the constituent audiences that are impacted by this because I, I obviously it is uh, most effective for you all uh, from a leadership management um, you know standpoint to have these goals and be able to track your performance against these goals. But in such a public fashion, um, what other what are the ripples that you're seeing from your work here? I mean, are you seeing uh, student interest, for example? Are you seeing parent interest, for example? Broader community in Lowell and and beyond? How do you characterize that? Well, let me just give you a couple statistics then, uh, which might uh, might help characteristic uh, characterize that. For example, our enrollment. Can I start with that one? <laughs> Please. <laughs> so so our, I feel like I should get out my snare drum here. I, I need to... <laughs> very good. Very good. Uh, so uh, our enrollment. Uh, which is a, a total of undergraduate, graduate, and uh, large uh, continuing ed online program, was approximately uh, 11,600 uh, students in 2007 when we started this story, we got on this road. Now our enrollment is a little over 17,000, which is, if you get your calculator out, 48%, a 48% increase in that seven year period. Wow. And this is with a very large increase in uh, our uh, quality of our students, higher SAT scores, higher GPA. So this is not just enrolling more people, this is enrolling more people at a higher quality. Right. As the chancellor says, we're increasing concurrent with the number, the uh, both the quality and the diversity of our student body, which which he also speaks about, is not necessarily always a um, a set of factors that sort of move in the same direction. Right. So it's very exciting, right? So. Think Oh, Pete, that, that's so exciting. But then think about it from a um, from an internal workforce perspective of serving that um, that increased population in such a short period of time. It, it begs the question: How do you ad- adapt to that kind of an increase over that period of time? I mean, it's not just we're not just talking about well, we need to add forty six percent more staff. It's it's we need to get you know one hundred and forty six percent more efficient. How does how does that how did that work? Well, that's a really good question, <laughs> um, and we. We always say, this is not an analogy we created, but we are building the plane as we are flying it. Um, that is our mo- mantra. It is. That is what we are doing. And I think it's a combination of a whole bunch of things. Um, and Joanne has alluded to some of them. But it's really, first of all, you know, being being willing to sort of look under the hood and 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 ask you know what's what's working what's not working you know not sort of take for granted that we're doing the right things because it's been tradition or it's it's been what we've always done quite honestly it's about asking that we've always been doing this is it right should we be changing it so it's really challenging all of the traditions and assumptions it's it's also and maybe we can talk a little bit about this specific example it's also being willing to really change up the paradigm. So again, we have done an awful lot, just even out of the HR realm, you know, in terms of changing systems and structures in place that have to change because we're not supporting, you know, the University of Massachusetts Lowell of 2007. We're serving a a new organization. And so being willing to really make changes to the infrastructure, which you know, again, you know, this involves people. And so it can create anxiety. Um, but if you have the transparency and people understand the vision where you're going, there 
oftentimes willing to go along with you. And so, for example, I'm wondering, Gail, if maybe, maybe you want to talk a little bit about this recent project we've been working with you on in uh, financial and administrative services, which Joanne initiated. And Joanne, it'd be really good to have you say what, you know, you, you said, I have this work that needs to be done in this area. How am I going to undertake it. When uh, when I saw the need to do it in this particular area, as it had been done in a number of the other areas that uh, report to me, uh, including HR, Lauren's area, and she came in and fully implemented um, many changes in her area, but also we did it in facilities, uh, uh, campus uh, safety, information technology, uh, and um, uh, student uh, services. So that, back to the finance and budget area. I wanted to do it very similar to what had been some of our, what we think to, like to think is our tools for success for these other areas. And that is to uh, to look at how we could bring an external uh, uh, consultant to come in, which I did in all the other areas, and get an, uh, an unbiased look at the current state and help us uh, figure out what the future with the future state, what kind of gaps there are, and what kind of changes we need to make to the organization to make it effect more effective and meet the needs of the the future. Which, of course, like we said, we had planned out through this strategic planning and this report card. So with that, uh, the first uh, that was the that was the first step, and that was hiring Tybal Associates. Partnered though with with the outside external consultant, who I hate to say it, Gail, I sometimes get you to be the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I had to, and we we had we have probably had a little bit of that this time. But at any rate, coupled with that, we need to have the implementation uh, stage, which is uh, the real nitty gritty, which it requires a very skilled. HR person, and I have. I'm so happy that I have Lauren to help with that, as she's done many times before and did again, and is still doing because this is a work in progress. This particular uh, project, uh, but those 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 tools of um, external consultants matched with a very skilled HR uh, high level strategist is what we've used to uh, make this kind of transformational change to our uh, di our division uh, in all the departments within right. our division. Pete, can you believe that, that she calls me a bad guy? You know me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry, the connection is, is not really very good right now. I'm, I'm having trouble hearing you, Gail. Uh, anyhow, Honestly, I feel like you you buried the lead with that uh, enrollment growth number. That is that is stunning. I'm finding I'm still a little bit breathtaking uh, by that number. After all of this work that you were doing, uh, that you continue this ongoing work that you're doing, what do you feel like you haven't been able to accomplish that you really wish you could? I think about this a lot, actually, um, because it's we're accomplishing a lot, and in, including this, you know, present restructuring that we're working with um, on the financial services side. But I think for me, it's it's about the areas which we haven't gotten to yet. So to the areas, because I know right. that that as we make progress, you know, in various divisions, working with various um, of jo Joanne and her various colleagues, I know that we haven't made it to every corner of the universe. Today. And so that means that um, 
you know, that maybe I should say that's job security, actually. Um, <laughs> but it means that, you know, there's more potential, you know, there's more opportunity. And I think the other thing that Joanne and I talk an awful lot about is making sure, um, and I don't want get the wrong impression because I don't think Joanne and I are planning to go anywhere anytime too soon, but we want to make sure that we support, maintain, and build a sustainable organization. Part of sustainability is succession and making sure that we build into all of our planning around the infrastructure and the people and the um, organizational uh, workforce um, opportunities for us to make sure that as we see transitions, you know, in people, because there are you know, transitions that happen that we, we are retirement retirements happen, for example, <laughs> that we are leaving the organization. We're not, we're not leaving the organization without, um, the, the expertise that, that is needed to sustain that, uh, progress. And so succession planning in, in short, um, so more work in both of those, I think, but again, it's, it's not, I'm not, I don't lament that because every day I say to Joanne every day, you know, you make a difference. We make a difference every day when we come into work. And if we stop doing that, well, time for a new gig. Time right, for a new right. gig. <laughs> Joanne, what do you think? Well, I was just uh, thinking right along the lines that, that Lauren was just saying, because, you know, looking at the future and looking at succession planning and how how could I, how could we mentor even more than we have um, to date for uh, the future? There's a lot of us that are baby boomers. I'm not going to give my age, but I'm definitely a baby boomer. And uh, so there, there will be a, uh, a, 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 I, I think, a chunk of retirements uh, at the same, uh, could be at the same time. And we care a great deal about uh, who will take our place and how can we build in, internally for that. Uh, so I'm going to say that I agree with Lauren. I mean, there's some other tedious things I'd say. That I wish I could get more time for policy development and some of those kind of things. We're working on it. We're working on it. <laughs> uh, but the the uh, the the focus uh, a little more on our successors and and continue on with the future uh, strategic planning and just how how big are we going to be someday? How how much capacity does this university have with the land that we own and the buildings that we can afford to build? Um, yeah, really just uh, more time to, to plan for the future. It's uh, it, This is a fascinating uh, story, and I'm, I am thrilled that you all have taken the time to share just this little piece of it with us. And, and clearly your, your results speak for themselves. And again, I will absolutely share the report card uh, link uh, on our website. So I encourage uh, everybody listening to please, uh, please check that out. And, and um, this is a great opportunity for, to learn from peers who are, are you know, doing it well. Uh, it is with uh, magnificent sadness that I report, I personally am not going to be able to join the crew at Ikubo <laughs> Annual Workshop this year. So sad. <laughs> we move on. We learn and we grow. It is coming up in a matter of days now, however, March 25th through 27th in Washington, D.C. That bittersweet note out of the way. If you have enjoyed this conversation, you absolutely want to join Joanne, Lauren, and Gail on Thursday the 26th at 3.15 because they're going to dive even deeper. And I think it is it is absolutely worth uh, learning uh, more about this story and asking them their quest your questions directly. Beyond that, uh, Joanne, as program chair, I'll start with you. What are you most excited about for this year's 
year's uh, annual workshop. Uh, so um, I'm very excited about the fact that our chancellor, who we've been bragging about for the last half hour, 45 minutes, uh, Chancellor Marty Meehan, will be a general session speaker on Friday morning uh, at uh, 8.30 to 9.45. His presentation will be all about UMass Lowell's success story. Uh, it's entitled The Public Enterprise for Entrepreneurship and Innovation, the UMass Lowell story. And so I'm very excited about that. But besides that, uh, I'm also excited to try a new idea with, uh, with the Kubo's Envision Future uh, new strategic planning that we've been doing. We're trying a lot of new ideas, and one of the ideas is to have several tracks of subject areas, uh, and uh, we're going to see how that uh, how our constituency likes that. The tracks are efficiency, financial leadership, talent and uh, academic transformation. So you can choose a track or you don't have to, but we're going to uh, we're going to try this idea out with a lot of great co concurrent sessions. So really look forward to next week's annual workshop and um, seeing all, you all there. Gail, Lauren, your thoughts on Ikubo coming up? For me, excited to be going. I think one of the things that doesn't happen often enough is the intermingling of the business folks and the HR folks. Good. And so mm -hmm. for Joanne and I to be there modeling that and presenting and with Gail, I think that just really is an essential ingredient of what we're talking about here. And so and so to be able to hobnob with my business officer colleagues, I'm looking forward to that. And Pete, obviously you can understand why I'm delighted to be presenting with these two ladies. Um, and we're gonna, as you uh, implied, we're gonna be getting into a lot more detail about what did the project actually look like here um, and share some, some real specifics um, with the folks that attend our session. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. And also really looking forward to, as Joanne said, um, Marty Meehan's uh, um, uh, presentation, you know, I just I I want to see uh, the gentleman who started started uh, the transformation. So that's that's really exciting for me. I I think it's it's wonderful, and I'm I'm so excited to hear you say that Marty Meehan is going to be speaking as a general session speaker. When you look at the the talk that you three are going to be doing, and that uh, the chancellor is going to be doing, uh, clearly uh, these are more data points in just how successful you are at telling the story of UMass Lowell, and and you know your peers at this association are part of that constituent audience and I think it's a it is a great story to tell so um, it, you all have a, a lot to be proud of uh, thank you everybody for for pulling this session together I think it is a, it's a wonderful conversation we've just had on behalf of the fantastic Gail Gregory on behalf of Joanne Yastramski and Lauren Turner from UMass Lowell I'm Pete Wright if we don't see you at a Kubo first we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change mm -hmm.